Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of CEA Leads, our leadership podcast. And uh, in this episode, we're going to be hearing from Amy Baca-Olert, our CEA president. Uh, she actually went to South High School in Denver to interview our secretary treasurer, Lawrence Garcia. Lawrence talks about why he got involved in the union and they also discuss the importance of this year's election. I got involved in the union uh, mainly as a way to help my colleagues improve the conditions in their schools. I had seen the stress levels go up. I've seen uh, people just uh, completely disrespected. And so uh, I saw the association as a way to really work to improve uh, those sorts of conditions. And um, that's why I'm still involved today, 10 years later. Another thing I want to emphasize is just how important this election is for education in Colorado. Amendment 73 will bring resources like we haven't seen in many years into our system, which are desperately needed. Plus, there are many local uh, bond and, and mill levy override elections and there are a number of pro-education candidates on the ballot as well. Uh, what we're asking is that you make sure you're doing your research, make sure you understand where the candidates are on education, make sure you understand uh, which ballot measures would be damaging to the state of Colorado and which would be helpful to the state of Colorado. And you can find all that at our CEA Voter Guide. Just go to cea.yourvoter.guide. Thanks, and now I'll turn it over to Amy and Lawrence. I'm here today with Lawrence Garcia. Hi, Lawrence. Hi, Amy. How are you doing? Not bad. Yourself? Awesome. Thank you. Lawrence Garcia is the Secretary Treasurer of the Colorado Education Association and a math teacher at South High School. So very happy to be here with you today, Lawrence, to talk about your pathway into leadership in the CEA. Um, and also we're going to talk a little bit about the election because it is getting close to November 6th after all, and we cannot miss a moment to talk about the election. But let's start off by um, finding out a little bit more about you. What brought you into teaching? Why did you become a teacher? So I wasn't always the uh, best of student. I was kind of a pain in the butt to my teachers. So much so that oftentimes they were happy if I was unengaged as long as I wasn't bothering anyone else. And because I learned some really bad habits, and when I got to college the first time, I flunked out. And that lesson, you know, that, that was a really embarrassing, horrible thing to have happened. And it was at that point that I decided I wanted to be a teacher because I wanted to make sure that students knew that no matter how you acted, you had a teacher that cared about you and keep you accountable and prepare you for the next step in life. So that's really what brought me into teaching. What's your favorite thing about teaching? The students. <laughs> the, the, the adults, total drag, but the students, they keep, <laughs> they keep me young, they're fun, and it's always an adventure with them. They're always, they're always eager, they always learn, they're, ex they're excited, and they're just a lot of fun. If, if all I ever had to do with, as a teacher was deal with students, I'd be a happy camper. Well, I know you say the, the adults are a drag, but you actually have spent a ton of your career um, being a union leader and being an advocate and a support for educators. So what got you into the union? How'd you get involved? Because um, I know you've been a, a longtime leader in DCTA as well as at the CEA and the NEA level. Um, part of it was just 
people asking, asking if you wanted to be a leader. It, it was really interesting. The uh, first uh, Denver Public School that I was working at, there were union rep elections, and I got written in for a couple votes. And so the gentleman who did the election, he came and talked to me, and he said, well, you got two votes, so you're going to be the rep if you want to do it. I would suggest you don't do it because that's not a good place to do as a young teacher. And I looked at him like, I'll do it. I was super excited that people wanted me to do it. And one of the teachers, we had a couple of reps in the building, and one of the other teachers told me, you know, Lawrence, I wrote your name in because I think you'd be really good at this job, and I'd like, you know, to work with you doing this. So I was, I was super excited about that. And basically, from that point forward, people just asked me, hey, would you like to do this? One of the biggest things that got me uh, a lot more involved was we were doing a, a membership drive in Denver, and the union president came to my school, and she talked to me. She's like, all right, Lawrence, you're, you've been a rep. I think it's time for you to do something else. I want you to take a week off of school and help us with this uh, recruitment this membership drive, and I was like, no, I, could. I was like, there's no way I can miss a week of school, and I was totally afraid. I'm like, no, I don't, I don't want to do it, and she kept talking to me, and I wouldn't do it, and then finally she called me a couple days later, she's like, look, I really need people to do this. We don't have enough people. I, I really need you, and I'm like, all right, I'll do it, and it went really well. I, we went and did recruiting, and I came back, and at the end of the day, we had a meeting to talk about how it all went. And I had the most recruits, and I was, like, super excited because they gave me 20 bucks. I'm like, all right, I, I can do better than this tomorrow. And then I did better, and they didn't give me any more money, so I was a little disappointed. But <laughs> just from that experience, it totally opened my eyes to the idea of communicating and working with people and finding out other people's stories in other schools. And it was just such a nice experience. And after that, uh, one of our industry directors, one of my mentors, he came to me and said, hey, you did really well on this. What would you like to do now? We got all these things and gave me some options, and they were just really good about always providing things for me to work on that I was interested in. Yeah, I know a lot of times people um, will ask, you know, like what are the pathways? How do you break into to union leadership? And, you know, sometimes, like you said, it's just from being asked or just having, you know, multiple pathways. So I know you've also... Um, always talked a lot about how deep union values run in your family and the influence that your grandfather had on you um, and even having union values as a young boy. So tell me more about, about that and the role that your grandfather played in your life. Yeah, my, my grandparents really stepped in and did a lot to take care of me as, as a young man. My parents weren't always around, and they really, they really stepped up into the job. And they were very great, decent people. My grandfather was a very proud member of his union. He always talked about being a union and being in his union and what that meant to him. And he, he taught me that unions, we, we take care of each other and we don't leave people behind. That was the main lesson he taught me. But it, it, was, it was always there. When I was a little boy, I remember he'd take me to the union hall with him. He'd take, he'd take me, and I was always so excited. And it was so funny because I, I do remember this, though. This is a little bit off the union topic. But I remember other bricklayers say, oh, you can get your grandson in our apprentice program. And my grandfather's like, no. He, he was like dead against I was like, no, he's going to go to college and he's going to do other things that I wasn't able to do. And so not only did he instill the idea of what a union is and working in the collective, but also the idea of how important education was. He, um, he didn't have that himself. He, he dropped out pretty early in school, but he always made sure to push us toward education. Yeah, and I think those are just two values that definitely shine through and you, just that, the possibilities that come with education, like you said, that you share with your students now, and just that, 
that value of the collective and belonging to the union. So if somebody were to ask you, why should I belong to the union? What's the power of the union? What would your answer be? Because we're a lot more powerful and we can accomplish more for our profession profession if we work together than if we work apart. I, I usually make this analogy. When I first started teaching, I cared a whole lot about what was going on. In my, I mean, I still do. But when I was young and I wanted to change the world and I wanted to you know, have all this influence, and here I am, new teacher, and I want to talk about this with the principal or the, the school board or the superintendent, nobody listened to me because I was just some young teacher. But as I got more involved and I had the union behind me and I spoke for more people, then when I talked, people would listen. My principal would listen because I was the rep. The school board would listen because I was a leader in the union. And really, when you want to shape education and make it the best that you can be for both our students and for our education employees, the only way to do that is by working together, not as one lone voice. Absolutely. And before being the CEA secretary treasurer, you served as one of the NEA directors for Colorado. So many people don't you know, have a connection to the NEA or, or get to see the work of the NEA the way you did. So what was that experience like for you? It was, uh, it was busy. And um, since I, I was teaching full-time, but I would make a number of trips to D.C. each year. And so that was always hard to miss school and, you know, do both the jobs at once. But the, uh, the most important part and the best part to me of being on the NEA board was working with our uh, congressional uh, delegation from Colorado. Every time we went to D.C., we would meet with all the different congressional offices in the Senate, both the Senate and the House, and we would talk about education issues with either the uh, legislator or their aides. And that, that was a really incredible experience. And to be able to share firsthand stories, NA would always give us some talking points. These are the issues we want you to address. But being a classroom teacher, I was always able to make it really personal and tell the stories that were going on either from myself or my colleagues. And that, to me, was the most important piece to bring that connection to Washington about what it is everyone's going through in their work sites. And I think, you know, our elected officials hearing from educators, knowing our stories, you know, hearing what's happening on the ground, whether it be in the classroom or in the school bus or the school cafeteria, just knowing the reality is so important. So being that voice and sharing that voice um, is definitely important. But, you know, as I said at the beginning, we're right in the middle of election season. Ballots have um, hopefully hit homes and people have their ballot and they're filling them out and getting ready to turn them in. So so what would you say is to a fellow colleague, a fellow educator about the importance of getting involved in elections or why we as educators, as the professionals, why we need to get involved in elections and make sure that our vote is our voice. I believe as educators, we have the best understanding of what our students need and what is the best path forward for education in our state. And if we do not get out and participate in the election, not only just cast our vote, but encourage other people to cast their votes and to encourage people who to vote for, then we're taking a very passive approach. And as one of my mentors told me a long time ago, he said, if we don't have a plan, theirs will do. And if we sit on the sidelines and we don't advocate for who we believe are the best leaders for our state, then we're accepting another plan. And as most people know, elections have consequences. If your people aren't elected, we, we could be going back many years as far as 
changing the dynamic of government in this state and across the country, really. And that's a really scary proposition for me. You know, I completely agree. I think that, um, as you said, as the collective, we're 35,000 plus educators in this state, in Colorado, and we need to make sure that not only are elected officials hearing from us, but we're electing those officials that will stand with students in public education. So if anyone is wondering um, who the CEA is supporting, you can visit www.cea.yourvoter.guide to see the recommendations from CEA in this election. And not only is it about candidates, but it's also about ballot issues. Um, we're, we're here in your school. Lawrence, as our secretary treasurer, is a full-time teacher, a math teacher. Um, and just walking in, um, you know, I could see the impacts of the lack of school funding. Um, chairs that look like they're from, you know, 1950 desks that don't match, outdated textbooks, um, you know, all these things that you experience on a daily basis with your students. So what does that look like for you? What has this lack of funding? In the last 10 years, Colorado has underfunded its schools by $7.5 billion. What has that meant for you as a teacher? Um, It's meant that I've had to uh, supplement a lot of money out of my own pocket, unfortunately. You know, when you walked in, you you saw the, the old chairs. I can't really do so much about those, but we had some uh, some really messed up chalkboards that really didn't work anymore. And so at the start of the year, I went to uh, the store and I bought some, uh, well, some generic whiteboards, shall we say, and I treated them up with some chemicals and got them all ready. But then I hung those up myself so that way we could have whiteboards to do our work because without that, it's really hard to do the work that I need to do for my students. Um, you know, just more money into the, into the system would mean so much for my students to be able to, we always talk about we want to provide students with a first class education. Politicians say, we need to be a 21st century, we need to provide a 21st century education for our students. But in order to do that, you have to have 21st century technology and materials, which we don't have. You know, to be able to have computers for every single kid, to be able to have Promethean boards or a smart board in every single room, it saves so much time and it makes the experience so, more, so much more interactive and exciting for students. That would go a real long way to be able to have all the materials that you need, make sure that every kid has a calculator that they can use whenever they need to do a math problem. Those types of things would make the job so much nicer and make the kids learn so much more. And you, how, what year is this for you as a teacher? Uh, <laughs> somewhere in the 20s. Yeah. And so what, what are some of the, you know, changes you've seen as far as uh, access to things like mental health supports or access to even things like field trips and um, busing? I know in my school district we've had to cut down, you know, busing, and so walk distances have increased and extracurriculars have gone away, middle school sports. Have you seen things like that here in your school district? Um, I, I've seen I've seen things like athletic fees go up, which you know, not that sports is the end all be all, but all, all activities, band, and, you know, whatever it is, they all cost a ton more money, which is really unfortunate because a lot of the buy-in that students have is from doing those other things. That's one reason for them to come to school, and there's other ways to learn other than just sitting in the classroom from all these other experiences. And so it's really unfortunate that it's much harder to. Uh, to do these activities without the money. 
I've, this is my 21st year um, as well, and the, just the impacts of this, this lack of funding and what it has meant. I mean, this, the current ninth graders, you're a high school teacher, so the, do you have any ninth graders this year? Um, a couple, yes. Yeah. <laughs> a few, not too many. This current um, ninth grade group of students has never been in a fully funded education system here in Colorado, and that's just something that we must do better by. So that's why um, our CEA board of directors took a position of support for Amendment 73. We have to do something to change the the situation here in Colorado. We have one of the strongest economies in the country, yet one of the worst levels of teacher pay. And I know, you know, you've talked about that, about the colleagues that you've seen come and go that, you know, can't afford to stay in education because they can't afford to provide for their own families or afford housing. And that has an impact on students, you know, as you've seen. What is that? What have you seen in regards to that? I see more and more teachers thinking about, oh, and educators in general. I mean, the ESP oftentimes have a way worse than teachers in this aspect, but educators in general, it's it's really hard to make a living. Other wages have went up over the years, and being an educator really ha- hasn't. It's, it's fade, stayed fairly constant. The increases have been very minimal and often have not caught, kept up with inflation. So I, I see people who can't afford to live anywhere near their schools anymore, and that's hard. There's not a lot of incentive to drive across town to work in a place that you love when you can't even afford to be in that community anymore. So that that's really what I see a lot of is people being pushed out from their communities because it's so expensive to live in this city. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I think, like you said, elections have consequences and those consequences can be good and bad. So uh, my hope for this election is that people actually get out and vote and use their voice to to make that change in our um, democracy and in our profession and and for those things that that we value like a public education system so ballots are due by november 6 make sure you not only get your ballot but fill it out and turn it in if you're mailing it in you need to do that by october 30th or you can drop it off at a ballot box location by november 6. Um, what advice would you give to to an educator um, about why they need to vote in this election in particular? This election in particular, we have the we ha- we don't always have the chance to make to impact a decision that's going to put money directly into education. We have a chance to put over a billion dollars into education. That's a real rare thing, and it doesn't ha- because it doesn't happen all day. This is our chance. If we don't act now, I don't know when it will happen again. So. It's not just about, oh, we should probably vote. It's we need to vote, and we need to push this right now and get it across the finish line. Yeah, you know, I think last April there was a lot of excitement and momentum. We saw over 17,000 people come down to the Capitol over three days, and certainly that has an impact, and there's a place for that, and um, it was an important thing to do, but we need to build off of that and make sure that, you know, not only do we do things like march to the Capitol, but that we march to the ballot box and make sure that our voices are heard. So this is an opportunity. We have an opportunity for change, and hopefully everybody um, out there listening will take that opportunity and vote in this election. So just, just you know, I totally agree with you. You know, everybody walked out in April because it meant something, because they wanted to change the system. And 
that won't mean a thing if we can't make change happen through an election. I mean, really, that was fun. It was really cool. It was inspiring. But unless we turn that into action that's going to make a change for us and for our students, I'm not sure it mattered. Yeah, I 100% agree. So let's get that change to happen, vote in this election, and let's make sure that we keep students and public education at the forefront with our votes. What advice would you give to somebody who is considering going into education to becoming a, a teacher or a paraprofessional or a bus driver? What advice would you give them? No one goes into this job for any other reason than that they love kids and they love to work with kids. They love to educate kids. And so that's the that's really the question I'd ask. It's These jobs are tough. They're as hard now as I've ever seen. And a lot of people talk about wanting to leave this job. So the advice I'd give them is make sure that you truly love kids because that's going to be what grounds you every day and makes it worth doing the job. And what would you say to somebody about why they need to be involved in the union? There, there's no other way. <laughs> I, I, I don't even understand the idea of not being involved in the union, to be honest with you. Um, you care about kids, you care about your job, then that's exactly what the union does. It cares about students, it cares about educators, and it's really the path forward for us to have a collective voice to make change. If we want to shape education, the best way to do that is through our union. So let's let's get to, to know a few things that maybe listeners out there wouldn't know about you. Favorite ice cream? <laughs> that should be Cherry's off Jubilee. the top of your head. <laughs> Favorite thing to do to relax or unwind? Cook. I knew you were going to say that. Um if you could go anywhere. Primarily baking. Yeah, love to bake. Lawrence is an awesome baker. If you get a chance to try one of his concoctions, you are a lucky person. If you could go anywhere in the world on vacation, where would you go? I would love to go to Thailand. Go uh, experience some uh, other culture and to uh, eat some delicious food and learn some other uh, types of cooking. What has been your best day as an educator? What I what I love more than anything, and this happened a few, well, a number of different times, but what, what really makes me happier than anything else is when my students are arguing, and they're sitting there, no, this is how you do this math problem, no, you do it this way, and they're like totally super passionate and excited about it, and they're trying to convince each other that their way's right, and I'm just sitting back with a huge smile on my face. Those are the best days. What has been your best day as a union leader? Lots of them, but, but really... Any time that I feel the power of the collective, it gives, it gives me a total buzz. And it, and it can be anything. It, it can be, you know, when we're at the Capitol, you know, thousands of us rallying like we did last April. It can be when I am meeting with my principal, fighting for one of our members in a grievance hearing. Stuff like that excites me because I know that I'm a part of something bigger than myself. So best day as a union member, too many of them to count. Every, every, every time I'm doing something that makes me feel part of something bigger than myself and helping other people, I'm pretty dang excited. Well, Lawrence, you are one of the strongest advocates for students and public education and for justice and for doing what's right by educators that um, I have ever known in, in my career as an educator and as a, a union leader. So 
I want to thank you for all that you do for the members of CEA, for students, for public education. As one of the elected officers, you are the only officer that is also a full-time teacher, and so your job as our secretary treasurer is not easy because you're juggling your full-time job teaching as well as all your union duties. So thank you for your commitment, your dedication, for all that you do um, to ensure that public education is, is an awesome thing here in Colorado and that the educators um, who belong to the union and the students who benefit because those educators are a part of the union. Um, you make such a difference in so many lives, so thank you for all that you do and for, for being the awesome guy that you are. Well, thank you for saying that. That's very kind of you. I just try to live up to your commitment. <laughs> thank you. And with that, we will sign off with our CEA Secretary Treasurer, Lawrence Garcia. Hey, I want to thank Lawrence uh, for coming on the podcast this time. And uh, I want to remind everybody that uh, they got to make sure to get out and vote. Appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye.